Hi there, and welcome to the Simply Living for Him podcast. I'm Karen DeBuse from Simply Living for Him. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Simply Living for Him podcast. On this podcast, I talk about all things simple, whether it's life out here on our little hobby farm or how I keep things simple in my homeschool, or just I like to talk about my faith in general, because I truly believe that the remedy to clutter and chaos is Jesus. The more we desire Him, the less we desire the things of this world, and the more natural it is to live simple. So today I wanted to, um, today we have a special treat. We have my husband, Steve, on the podcast, and we are going to be answering questions that you all out there submitted to us. So we're excited to sit down and answer your questions. And before we begin, I wanted to um, just thank our new podcast sponsor, Apologia. Apologia is a premier homeschool publisher. They have all sorts of curriculum for the homeschooling family. But if you are not a homeschooling family, they have tons of resources available for any Christian family. You can find them at www.apologia.com. And they also have a free ebook right now. It is over 40 pages. It's called Good Tidings, and it is for the Christmas season with devotionals and encouragements and activities for your family. And it would be a great um, book to go through over the Christmas break. So you can visit them for all the details. So right now I have Steve sitting here with me. Steve, say hello. Hello, how are you? Thank you for having me on your podcast. And we are going to answer some questions that people have submitted to us over the past few days. I thought it would be fun to sit down on the podcast with Steve because a lot of people out there really don't know my better half. So um, you may have seen him at a homeschool convention with me or something, but I share a lot of pictures on Instagram and Instagram stories. And sometimes I put these funny videos up of Steve cause he's really, really funny. And somebody once commented and said, um, Oh, that's so interesting to see him clowning around like that because from all your pictures, he seems so serious. So what do you say about that? Um, <laughs> I, I guess I put up a good front. So I'm Steve, not a big, I'm only a half smiler. So Steve is the furthest thing from serious. So I thought that was so funny. So I was like, I need to get you on more things so that people can see the real you because he is anything but serious. The other thing I want you to know about Steve is that he can do anything. He literally is the jack of all trades. He runs his our uh, his business, his own business. He's self employed. We're going to talk about that. He um, you know, runs our little hobby farm out here. He's my little farmer. I do it all. <laughs> he fixes. Spelling. I'm not good at spelling. No, he's not good at spelling. <laughs> he fixes anything. He uh, does any task he puts his mind to. If he doesn't know how to do it, he'll figure it out. And he's the glue that holds our family together. <laughs> so <laughs> he's actually very consistent when I'm very inconsistent. He's very stable when I'm not. <laughs> So um, anyway, it would be fun, I thought, to get to know us a little bit better. So I had you guys submit some questions. Um, As you guys know, we moved out to our little, as we call it, our little hobby farm out here in the country. We grew up in suburbia, and I have a whole podcast episode actually about that called um, From Suburbia to hobby farming or something like that, that you can find. I will include any links that I talk about in the webpage for this podcast episode. 
Um, so that link will be in there. But we moved out here. We just celebrated three years out here. So I know a lot of people have questions about about that because a lot of people out there are also looking to do the same thing, right? I mean, maybe you want to get out into the country, have a few chickens like us. You know, we really had no idea what we were doing when we moved out here. But because Steve can do anything and learn anything. We have been learning as we go. So we'll talk about that stuff. Um, Also, we will touch on um, the fact that Steve runs his own business and we are what I call a work at home family. And we have a whole podcast episode about how we started that journey because Steve had lost his job and we became a work at home family when he started his own business. And he helps me do all the things I do here with simply living for him and um, supports me in my writing and my speaking and my podcasting. And um, so we will talk about all those things. One of our phones is going off. Sorry. So, um, th- so some of the questions you guys submitted were just about. Um, Um, Steve and his job. So I know there are other people out there who wonder how you can become self-employed or how you can make it work. You know, a lot of my listeners are homeschoolers and a lot of us look for ways to make it work where we can be home with our families and have the most time with them. And how can um, people become self-employed families and run a family business. Because one of the beautiful things about homeschooling is you can incorporate your whole family into your business. And we're hoping to, you know, train our kids, not necessarily that they have to be self-employed, but that they would have the skills and the knowledge and the know-how. So that would be an option for them because we absolutely love the lifestyle of being a self-employed family. So we are going to be celebrating five years this March... Um, with Steve's business, Farmhouse Studios. And Steve is a graphic designer and he does it all. See, when I said he's the jack of all trades, he does it all. He does video editing, he does web design, he does anything graphic design. He's an amazing illustrator. He has illustrated a series of children's books the past few years, and he is so super talented and I'm so proud of him, but he really does it all. Um, photography. And so we began that business five years ago because he had lost his job for the third time in our marriage. And we said enough. And there's an entire podcast episode about that and the story. I won't get into it now, but you can find that um, on the podcast, on the archives. So I'm going to let Steve answer the first question, which has to do with um, being self-employed. And that is how do, how um, now I don't have the question in front of me. How does does um, somebody manage the transition from a regular a regular traditional job to um, a work at home freelance job? So Steve, I'm going to let you answer that question and talk about that. Well, I would say that probably everyone's transition is going to look a little different because depending on what you do and where you are and how you um, go from one job to the other then it would might make a big difference of how you go about it. For me, I was in a position where it, the transition could happen gradually. Um, I was working for one of our friends, and um, I started up Farmhouse Studios while I was working with him, and I was able to uh, transition work during the day while I was still working for him, and it kind of transitioned that way. So that was just you know, a blessing in disguise, um, you know, 
God, like God always has a bigger plan for our lives than we do and put us in certain positions and things to fall into place that we may, we may not have seen at the time. Yes. Uh, I would say that if you are feeling led to start your own business or to transition into a home business, that if that's where God wants you, that's where you're going to be and to seek him in the whole thing. And it doesn't, it might not be instantaneous. It definitely is a transition, which is what we saw. We saw that um, he had started this side business. And then when he lost his job, it was like, well, maybe I can make that my full-time business. And that was a scary transition because then you have things to deal with like, okay, what exactly does self-employment entail? What do we do about insurance? Right. Um, what do we do about, you know, just all these things that you never think about when you're working for a corporation? I think one of the, the big things too is, um, the business side of it. That's not my strong suit. So you have to kind of realize where your strong suits are and, you know, things that you're weak in and, you know, the business side of it is, you know, not my strong side. Um, and sometimes I can be a little scattered. So um, I go from one thing to the next really quickly, which is nice because being that way, I could start something in the morning and then kind of, you know, move on uh, to the next thing and kind of like hop around uh, and it helps me get stuff done in a weird way. Uh, but that's, you know, definitely beneficial. Some people, you know, I, I wasn't, I wouldn't do well in an office setting. No. <laughs> um, just because, you know, being sitting all day and, uh, having to work on one thing and focus on one thing is kind of, kind of a struggle. Um, and I would say if you are a wife out there and your husband is looking to come home full time and pursue a work at home job, then, you know, doing your best to be supportive in that way, because like I, like Steve just said, he has some shortcomings that he recognizes, you know, and if maybe that's your strong suit as a wife, it's actually not mine. So <laughs> we're sort of, we sort of have to figure it out, but maybe your strong suit is the numbers and accounting and, um, the business side of things. And you can be supportive of that. And, you know, I try to I try to um, rein him in sometimes because he can be a little bit scattered. But, um, you know, you as the wife can provide that stability and that support because coming home for a husband is a really big transition and you're really going to need to be supportive. Number one, praying for your husband, praying for the, the business, um, praying for whatever, you know, God is leading you to do. That's number one. But... Um, you know, really supporting them because maybe they've worked their whole career outside of the home and to come home is a really big transition. And our husbands, as the head of our households, the head of our homes, it's a huge responsibility for them. And to recognize that this is a transition and to be there supporting them. And I'm sure I failed in this terribly and was a nag and um, probably wasn't as supportive. But looking back on it, you know, rather than me saying, oh, are you doing this right? Or do you know what we're doing here? I could have been a little bit more supportive, recognizing that this is a huge life change for a man to change careers. For, and, you know, like I said, with them being responsible for the family. And um, Steve is our sole provider. So, you know, it's really important that we sort of walk alongside them and help them and be there for whatever they need during that transition. Yeah, um, I have to say too is, um, if you're thinking about doing it, it should, you know, be something that you're passionate about. 
because it's going to become your job and you have to keep yourself motivated to do what you're going to do. And if you're not passionate about it or you don't want to live that life, then it will just become like, it'll like drag on and you'll always be like, Oh, I have to do that. I have to do that. So you want it to be something you're passionate about. And I would say if you're in a full-time position to maybe dabble with things that, you know, to see what excites you and what gets your creativity or um, what you're passionate about and then slowly pursue. So, you know, you don't have to just say, Oh, well, you know, I'm done and give your notice and, and be done you can slowly transition, you know, so maybe it's something that you do on the weekend that uh, you just do as for fun um, and then try to figure out how that could make money for you. And that would bring me um, to my next question. Somebody asked me, but I'm going to have Steve answer it as well for him, how I manage um, my ministry here at Simply Living for Him and the things I do with my family. And also then I want Steve to share how he manages to run his own business with his family um, and, and how we how we manage that. So you know what I'm going to say, right, guys? I manage it because I don't do it. God does. <laughs> but um, what I would say is that God gives you the time for what He calls you to do. So, you know, and what I do for my ministry is not necessarily what anybody else out there needs to do. So never compare and never say, oh, how do they do it all? How do they manage to do that? Oh, it looks like they have the perfect life because they don't and we don't. And God will call you to do something and he'll give you the time. He'll give you the desire. Like Steve said, if you're going to be working at home, you want to have something that you're passionate about. I'm passionate about the things that I do. And it's it's a part of me and I couldn't imagine not doing it. So that's how you know that you're called to do it. But God gives you the time and then he gives you the ability and he gives you the strength to do it. There's only so many hours in a day and God will use them if you give those hours to him, right? Whenever I struggle, there are so many times where I struggle and say, I'm just not going to do this blogging anymore. I'm just not going to do these things. I'm not going to go speaking. I'm not going to write any more books. I'm not going to do this. Every time I do that and I say those things, it's because I have my eyes on me and how I'm feeling and my emotions get all caught up and I'm, I'm stopped looking at him. And when I keep my eyes fixed on him is when I realize that I don't do this in my own strength. So anything you see out there that I'm doing, it's because God has led me to do this. And when I always take it back to him and I always pray to him and say, Lord, is this really where you want me? I'm not joking. Like that next day, I'll get an email that says somebody read something of mine that touched them. Just the other day it happened where somebody commented that they were listening to the podcast on their commute in London. And that was exactly what I needed at that moment where I was feeling like, why do I do all these things? You know. And so those are the things that keep me going. When I know that what I'm doing is making a difference, it's easy to keep going. So God has to be the center of everything you do. So managing all of that and then obviously still homeschooling my kids and you know, raising my children and being a family, I think because we homeschool, we act, I actually have more time to do the things that I want to do because I'm home all the time with my kids, although not much lately because <laughs> as you guys know, I've said we're in sort of a busy season lately. We've been out a lot. But uh, normally we've been, um, you know, as a homeschool mom, I'm able to manage my time with the kids by, you know, getting up before them and getting some work done. And then we usually do our school time. And then, you know, in the afternoon I have plenty plenty of time once they're finished with school to work on 
um, my stuff. But you have to remember that my kids are also much older now than when I first started this. So I do have more time because they work more independently. But really managing um, my time. I'm not good at keeping a schedule. And I'm always saying, I need to schedule time when I you know do work. And I need to schedule this. And I need to schedule that. I'm not really good at keeping the schedule. But if I have different blocks of time that I know that I can sort of be you know, solely f- focused on my work, then that is what I try to do. So um, I feel like we get a lot of time together as a family, mostly because Steve works at home most days. We are a, like I said, um, a work at home family and a homeschooling family. So we are able to be together more and that really helps with um, being able to do the, pursue the things that I'm passionate about. Steve, what would you say is your answer to how you manage time for the family, um, with your business? Um, well, I would say that, uh, I, I mean, for me, myself, and this is just how I work, um, making sure that family is the priority and that I have time for everybody. I usually wake up at like four o'clock in the morning. He's crazy. To get things done. <laughs> but then and he falls asleep on the couch at like nine. Well, <laughs> so. um, but he has a strong, huge work ethic. I have to say that he is like the hardest working person I know. And I get a lot done in the morning. <laughs> so I probably could get double the amount done in the morning before everybody wakes up than if I would um, the whole day. And that being said, then, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really focused. So around 12 o'clock, I start to like think, oh, what else can I do? Our office, my office sits and I can see the barn and some of the garden so I sit there and I think oh well I could be outside doing that or I could be outside doing this and sometimes it distracts me so I have to change it up during the day um, or else I'll get bored Um, but that being said it gives me time with my family because if I take a break at 12 o'clock then I can say hey eat lunch with the boys Uh, if Grace is home she hasn't been home lately you know play practice but um have, sit and watch a show, a TV show with the boys or, or whatever, just that little time. And I would say too, for both of us, our kids are incorporated a lot into what we do. And in fact, our oldest teenage son actually has helped Steve before on projects with work and Steve has given him work to do. And he actually loves all things graphic design, just like Steve. So Steve is mentoring him and teaching him. And um, so because of our lifestyle, we incorporate our kids into everything. You know, when I travel to speak in the spring, I, I really don't prefer at all to ever go by myself. Well, I haven't ever gone by myself because I'm a big baby. But, <laughs> you know, either they all come with me or at least Grace is coming with me this year to one of the events. So we incorporate our kids into all the things we do. When I run the retreat in the summer, when the when I do the Simply Living for Him retreat, the entire family is involved. So, you know, whether it's Steve's business or whether it is my ministry, we incorporate the kids into everything that we do. And um, it just helps, number one, with family time, but it helps that we do things together as a unit. That would bring me to the next question, which is about our hobby farming, because I'm going to um, tie that into Steve's passion. You know, when we we're talking about doing things that you're passionate about, well, 
Steve is not only an amazing graphic designer and artist, but he is a farmer at heart, I always say. So we didn't grow up this way, but, you know, he absolutely loves being outdoors and loves being here. And, you know, we have three acres. We don't have this enormous farm and we don't have, um, you know, this... And he cracks up when I always tell people we have a farm. He's like, we don't have a farm. I'm like, it's a hobby farm. We have chickens and ducks in a barn. We have a farm. And maybe a goat someday? We'll see. <laughs> you see can't see his face. <laughs> so, um, you know, we moved out here because we have this desire to give the kids, you know, property to explore on, to um, give our family this amazing opportunity to spend time in nature and outdoors. And... Um, it has been beyond my imagination moving out here. We absolutely love it and it gets better every single day. I will never tire of the views we have here, of the ability to, you know, send the boys out for the whole afternoon exploring the woods and um, playing out in the back with the the ducks and the chickens and doing the gardening in the summer. So somebody asked um, a question because I know a lot of people out there, they want the same thing. Maybe they're tired of the city life or suburbia like we were, the hustle and the bustle. And we absolutely love that we moved to a little tiny town of 1,800 people with no traffic lights except for one teeny weeny blinking little light in the center of town. And it's just, you know, it's like our little Mayberry. We love it. So I know people out there, they want the same thing. And if you're praying about that, um, keep praying because if God wants it for you, it will happen. That's what happened to us. And like I said, there's podcast episodes where you can hear the whole story. So somebody asks, and I'm going to give this one to Steve because he's the farmer, not me. I'm just the chicken coop cleaner <laughs> sometimes um, and feeder, except this morning when I didn't and Steve did. So um, he, somebody says, how can we incorporate hobby farming into our lives on a smaller sized lot within city limits? So I'll give that one to the farmer. So before we moved out to Hope, then we lived in Flanders, which was... A, Hope is a, the name of our town. Yeah, He's, yeah, he made sorry. it sound like <laughs> we moved out to Hope. That's the name of our town. Yes, sorry. <laughs> um, and isn't it a cute name? We had a garden, and the garden was three boxes that were 10 by 10, and it was small. So I think no matter the size of your property, you can have a, um, some kind of garden or something. Uh, I think... One of the key things would be to start small because it's easily it's easy to get overwhelmed by you know um, having too much. That's a really good piece of advice because we're known for like jumping in over our heads, right? Or maybe I, you're known I, I, for that. I would say that. So start I, I small, that. absolutely, and work your way up. Yeah. So I would, if you know, because once you get one thing working right, then you have like you're encouraged to do something else. If and you, you do could do aquaponics and things like that in a small, right? Yeah, they could. They could do an aquaponics system. Um, it may not produce as much. Like um, um, raised beds would mm-hmm. be really good to do. Um, and make sure you find out if you're allowed to have chickens and things like that. If you want to do a little hobby farm in city limits, like certain cities don't have or have laws where you can't. So you have to make sure yeah. you can have chickens. But you yeah. can. Ha- chickens are very easy to maintain, and you don't need a ton of space if you just have a few. Right. Yeah, I would agree. I was just talking about the garden in and of itself because I don't think there's too many laws. No, no, no. I meant um, yeah. if you're going to have chickens because if they're saying hobby farming, that might include oh, yeah. animals. Yeah. Well, we had, um, like our friend lived in the city and she had two chickens. And <laughs> she, I mean, she was in the city. Like, I right don't know if she was supposed to have them, just saying. She wasn't, maybe she wasn't <laughs> supposed to have them, but she had them and no one complained. But um, Yeah, but for gardening, it's just... Maintaining space, right? And and there's a um, 
uh, a YouTube page and a website. It's called The Urban Farmer, Curtis Stone. And um, you can get a lot of good information from that guy. He's really good. Yeah, because urban farming is a thing now, right? A lot of people yeah. are doing that. So there but are he, lots he's of ways. Like, shows you how to like make the most of your space. And there's just so much information. But that Curtis Stone guy, he's really good. So, okay, good. Anyway, if uh, you need some information on that, that's the guy to go to. All right, I'm going to move on to some of the other questions about like family and faith stuff here and marriage, which when we got marriage questions, we were like, what, us? We don't really, so we'll, <laughs> we don't call ourselves experts at all. But I'm going to um, address some of these other questions. Somebody asked, how do you deal with college and high school age daughters ages 20 and 16 whose way of dressing is inappropriate? Um, and she says it's a constant battle. So since we don't have adult children, I don't know if I have any advice that would be worthy to give. We do have a 16-year-old, and, you know, the the most important thing, I think, right now is that you model your faith for um, your children, no matter how old they are, you know, because if you're telling them to do something and they don't agree with it, when you keep telling them to do it, that's not going to make them agree, <laughs> just keeping nagging or anything. I think the most important thing to do is to model um, a a good Christian walk yourself and, um, you know, just keep, um, pointing them to Jesus and you're going to have to ultimately let God convict them because we can't change somebody's heart. Only God can do the convicting. We can do the pointing. We can point people to Jesus, but we can't convict them. That will come from the Holy Spirit, um, and that work in their own heart. So, as a 20-year-old, I would think, you know, like I said, there's really not much. They're an adult child, and I don't have an adult child yet, so I can't really give advice on that, but it's not like you can even punish them, right? So the best thing to do well, is pray. Pray for your children. Pray that this world doesn't take their hearts. Pray that they would have a change of mind and how they um, present themselves to the world. Um, and again, modeling it yourself. Steve, do you have any insight for that one or... The only thing that came to my mind is like when you're saying how you present yourself to the world is I look at it as, you know, how does your child go out into the world and present themselves in other ways, right? Are they using bad language? They would probably say, no, I don't, you know, um, hopefully. Um, or are you doing X, Y, Z that you shouldn't be doing? And they would probably answer no, because those are outward, you know, physical things that people hear. And, um, and so how does the dress and how does that translate as well i mean it's it's the same thing it's respecting yourself and respecting others mm -hmm. okay so then somebody also asked how does someone like me who has social anxiety now this is them asking the question i'm not saying me <laughs> how does somebody um, who has social anxiety get back into going church and getting the family to go as well so when i read this question i thought well steve will not be able to answer this one he had, i don't think he has a hint of social anxiety because he is very social I say he's like the mayor. He knows everybody. He loves to talk to people. Um, and I don't actually suffer from any type of social anxiety, but I would say that I definitely could relate to this one a teeny bit because um, I can be an introvert and um, I can, which is funny because you would think I'm not because I go speaking and things like that. But that is actually a whole different world for me. Like I, on the normal day would prefer to be home. I'm a homebody. I'm not always very social. I don't like small talk. I don't like um, a lot of that stuff. So I guess, you know, again, for this question, 
I would say that, um, you need to give it to God. You need to pray about it. And, you know, church is where you need to be. And when we are focusing on our emotions and how we feel, that's because we've taken our eyes off of Jesus. So if you're suffering from social anxiety and it's keeping you from church, that's where you need to take your eyes off of that. And I think once you get there, I mean, no, for me too, when I'm in a situation that I'm uncomfortable, once I'm there, I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. Um, and once you get there, um, it's so important, you know, to be surrounded by the body of Christ and the devil will want nothing more than to use something like anxiety to keep you away from his family on Sundays and to keep you away from church. So I would tell you to say, you know, Satan, you're not going to do this. I am going to beat this and I am going to get to church and I need to get my family to church and I'm not going to let my emotions get in the way. Um, Steve, do you have any insight on that? Like I said, Steve is our social, our social person here, our social butterfly. Um, I would say that uh, it would depend on one, like one or two things. Like if you're looking for a new church then that's a whole different story than going to your existing church. That's true. So if you're going to your existing church, what I would say is if you have friends there or you have people that you know, you know, pretty intimately or, you know, you're friends with to, you know, just tell them, hey, I'm going to be at church this Sunday and, you know, maybe I can sit with you or, you know, that kind of, at least when you're going to go, you're going to know someone and you know that they're kind of waiting for you like, um, I just know that when we've gone to churches and or visited churches and we know people there and you know that they're going to be there, it's more welcoming. We have friends that have come to church and, you know, maybe the reason they came was because they would never go on their own, but because they knew we were there or we were going to be there, they felt more comfortable coming. And then they can introduce you to people and, or, you know, just be with you in those awkward times. Like, you know, we have coffee fellowship. Sometimes it's awkward to, just, you know, be new and no one says hello you know um if it's a new church well then usually i don't know for the most part i think people are usually pretty friendly when you're new at a mm -hmm. church to introduce yourself if it's so, a good church you'll have people that will come up to you and make you feel comfortable yeah yeah definitely and, you know again it's small talk um but uh i think it's just you kind of have to get out of your show. I mean, like I said, I can't and relate because that's not I don't know if the question is coming from somebody. I mean, it says social anxiety. So this could be like a major, you know, like yeah. thing. So we're just talking probably about the little less of, you know, like a lesser degree of it. So if this is like a major thing, you know, I'm not sure um, if we're the best ones to give that advice. But if you're just feeling anxious about, you know, getting out there and things like that, um, I would say, again, just remembering that... Um, we can't base things always on our emotions and how we feel and what's comfortable or not. Sometimes we're supposed to be uncomfortable because that's when you can rely on God. You can be nervous and, and anxious about going to a social setting and you can say, well, it's okay to feel this way because I get to do this in God's strength and not my own. This is a time where I am going to see how God can get me through a situation that I thought was impossible. So I would definitely recommend praying about it and letting him give you the strength to do it. There's two more questions here that have to do with marriage. And so um, one, the first one, I'm going to save the best for last. The first one, 
The one that I told Steve, I'm not going to tell him the answer until we're on here. So you, he'll hear it for the first time on here too. So the first one says, how do you prioritize your marriage, especially when the kids are younger? And I was thinking about that. And again, what came to mind was, well, we're always all together. And, you know, because like I said, Steve's um, job allows for that. And, um, but I do remember that when our kids were younger, we actually did do more date. We don't ever go on dates anymore. And <laughs> he's making a face. See, we needed to, do, I wanted to do this live on Facebook, but he wasn't comfortable with that. So you could see he's funny, but, <laughs> but that's why I use Instagram stories. So you have to follow me on Instagram and see Steve on Instagram stories. Okay. So we did, we used to make it more of a priority actually when they were younger, which seems strange, right? Like you feel like you don't have time when they were younger, but even now, sometimes he'll say like, you want to go on a date? You want to go do this? And I'm like, eh, like, I like being with the kids. Like we all have fun together. Or it just always seems like, oh, we don't need to spend the money to go out to dinner. You know, so our dates these days will consist of like going to Tractor Supply or uh, Target <laughs> or Lowe's. Don't forget Lowe's. And, and if we're lucky, we might get coffee. And yeah, I was going to say, and then to really make it special, we go through the drive-thru and get coffee on the way. <laughs> But actually, that's still fine. If that's all you can afford or that's all you can find the time to do, right? It's still okay. It's just getting... I think I think the answer to this question is I realize, well, we really should do it more because um, our kids are much more self-sufficient now. So they, you know, it's a wonderful thing when you can leave your kids home alone and they can, you know, they're, they're grown up now. So they can do things like that. But... Um, we do. We do need to make more time where it's just us and where we're just talking. And we, I mean, we try. We talk about it, right? Yeah, I, you know, I think one of the one of the things that's that at least for us is difficult is when like we're together all the time. There's no like things we know what's going on. Like, how, <laughs> do, you, how do you like? Oh, we're always how together. Your day? Oh, you were with me. Like, <laughs> So true. You were in the office. I know that you had oatmeal for breakfast. Like it, it's just. I think some of our best two things are really just, like conversations and things are unplanned. For some reason, whenever we try to plan like a little date or we're, I always call these meetings. I'm like, we're going to have a meeting. We're going to talk about stuff. It really never works out. It's almost like the times in the car, we just start talking or we just happen to be sitting at the table together and we get in a conversation and start talking. They're usually unplanned moments. They're not, we're just not good at like, I think. Don't call it a meeting. Yeah. Don't call it's it a meeting. Way too much <laughs> Way too much pressure. I like to have meetings, and then we sit there, and we're like, I don't know, what do you want to talk about? (laughs) She gets frustrated. And then we end up fighting. (laughs) We end up getting in a fight. Okay, so anyway... I don't, I think definitely though, making time for yourself, you know, for yourselves as a couple, there's always those great like marriage retreats out there and and marriage events, like one-time day events. I think those are great. We've never done any of those, but I think those would be great. However, I could see us fighting if we had to like be forced to sit and answer these questions or, right. It would be one of those planned things. It's like, we, we just do better unplanned, but take advantage of nice just to drive in the car and not say anything. uh, That's true. (laughs) That's true, because when is it ever quiet? So maybe just planning some times that are unplanned. Um, you know, not planning. I mean, just enjoying those times that are unplanned, where you can just be in the moment and, um, you know, it doesn't always have to be. You know, you'll see, like, a lot of the blogs and articles and things that tell you how to live will tell you, you know, you have to have a date night every week and you have to do this. You don't really have to do anything. You just have to consider each other's 
um, needs above your own, which and don't brings, have an expectation and don't have an expectation. Exactly. If it doesn't live up to the expectation, then you then get a fight <laughs> and we never sure. fight, right? We never fight. So, uh, I'm going to go to the next question now, and this is the one we're going to end on. So somebody, <clears throat> now I'm going to cough, <clears throat> excuse me. Somebody asked me, um, what, was our best marriage advice. And so I was texting Steve the questions and he wrote back like, oh my gosh, you know, because I think it's like, who are we to answer that? And we've been married, it'll be 18 years in May. So we do have a good amount of years under our belts, right? But as far as having this thing down pat, probably we could do much better. You know, I think we have a good marriage, but I think, of course, there's things we need to improve on. But I wanted to give you my answer that isn't really my answer, but Steve's grandmother. I'm going to tell you the best piece of marriage advice she had ever given, and I'm going to take it to heart for myself, and I'm going to share that as my answer because I think it's a really good answer. And so Steve's grandparents were married 75 years, so... Grandma knows what she's talking about, right? So last year, his um, grandfather passed away at the age of 102, and they were married, like I said, they were about two weeks shy of being married, 75 years. And so she had given this advice to me about that time, and I it stuck with me. And I think it's just great marriage advice for the generation that we live in, because our generation right now... Divorce is the rate is higher than ever among Christians and non Christians. And I think the problem is that we are forgetting that a marriage is not about us and it is not about us being happy. But when you enter into a marriage, you are now in charge of taking care of the other person. And when two people enter into a marriage and they're always looking at the other person like, what are they doing for me? What are they doing for me? And I'm not happy and they should be doing this. Then that's not a marriage because two people are focused on themselves. So when the two people are focused on each other, then that's what makes a true partnership and union. And remembering that marriage is not for our happiness, but for our holiness, right? Our holy, we are becoming holy in marriage. And sometimes that involves um, sacrificing and looking to how Jesus lived. And that's how we should be in our marriage. So grandma said to me that she said, you should always elevate your husband just a little bit. And what she meant was you should always, she goes, you should always make him feel a little bit better than he really is. Yes. And I know that sounds yes. so funny, right? But, and it's like so contrary to the way our society tells you to live. It's like, no, you consider yourself, you know, number one and all this. But she said, always try to make him feel just a little bit better, like elevate him just a little bit above. And that really stuck with me because I had never heard anyone say that before. Now, I have to be thankful for this podcast because it reminded me of that advice because I don't think I'm always so good at doing this. Steve is very good at doing this, I would say. He is always, always um, putting me first and making me feel probably much better than I really am. So, um, But that was the one thing she said. And then she also said, you need to know when to be quiet and when, when it's not worth arguing. And you know, she said she knew when to keep her mouth shut and when it was not worth arguing, again, advice for myself, because I am too quick to speak. But really, she was basically talking about the verse in James there about being quick to listen and slow to speak, slow to get angry. 
Um, So the two pieces of advice that I think were the best marriage advice were to always elevate the other one just a little bit, making them feel just a bit better than um, really what they are, and to know when to be quiet and when you need to just take a step back and say, this is not worth arguing. She wasn't saying be a doormat because that's what, when you talk about these things and about being submissive and about, you know, considering someone else's needs above others, our culture right now would say, you are a doormat. You need to look out for yourself. You shouldn't, but that's 75 years, 75 years of marriage. So um, when you look at that in the biblical way, it's not being a doormat. It's living how God intends us to live with everybody to put other and their others' needs above um, our own. So, Steve, have you ever heard that advice from your grandma before? Uh, I heard it when she told you. I think it's free. <laughs> oh, you were there? I didn't think you were there when she told me. Uh, I don't know. I or maybe she, I told you. I don't know. So I think she talks to you more than she talks to me. <laughs> <laughs> not that she doesn't love me. But I don't think she gives sage wifely advice to me. Um, what do you think about that advice? I think that's great advice. I think, I think, how how can I argue with that? I think that's what you do though. Like Steve really, he always puts me above others. He, and our family, he always is supportive and encouraging. And he always puts his family's needs above others. I think I have a little more work to do in this one than he does, but I don't think that's true. Well, it is. Go ahead. I thought you had something else to say. So I would say the best piece of marriage advice, and like I said, not from me, from grandma, is that um, it's obviously truly looking after the other person. If we both, if we both in a marriage look after the other person, then we can be assured that our our needs will be met, right? Because they're looking after us. So it's, and we have to trust that when we live that way, that ultimately God is going to provide for our needs. God is our provider of everything. We just need to obey and do what He says, and that is to consider others' needs above our own. Again, very countercultural, very much against what our society will tell us today, but also look at our society that we live in. Look at how far down our society is going. And I can't even, you know, look at the internet these days without wanting to cringe at every headline. It's just, it's terrible. So, you know, it may sound countercultural, but I think grandma uh, has some words of wisdom there. Married 75 years and um, uh, really, really lived this advice. So those are our questions. Uh, Those are all of the questions we have. This podcast is a little longer than usual, I think, because of these questions. these questions, but it was fun to have Steve here. And if you guys follow me over on Instagram, you'll see lots of little snapshots of our life here on our little hobby farm and homeschooling and um, Steve singing on my Instagram stories sometimes. (laughs) See, I don't, I don't have sound off. I I don't have a video on this right now, but Steve is just, he's very funny. keeps me laughing. I can be way more serious. So, um, Anyway, you can follow along over there. If you have any more questions after this, you can feel free to submit them and we will answer them via the comments or email. Um, again, thank you to our sponsor, Apologia. Please go check them out at apologia.com. And also next week is going to be a special episode for Christmas and I have recorded it already and it is called The Best Gift I Have Ever Received. So look for that special Christmas episode next Friday. Also, any links that I mentioned on this podcast 
podcast episode will be on the webpage for this podcast episode. If you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review the podcast. That helps get the message out there to even more um, people. And if you are you know, listening on the blog or you see this on the Facebook page, please share it with your friends. And um, I hope that there was some you know, of this conversation that may have encouraged someone out there, whether it be in their marriage or in their work, or if you're looking to have a hobby farm. Um, and if you ever have any more questions, please submit them and we will answer them. Steve, do you have anything else to say? Thank you for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Again, you can't see and we needed to do this on video. Yeah. Well, well, maybe next time. Maybe we'll do another one next time. But for now, you'll have to be uh, content with Instagram stories to, to get a little glimpse of this. I want to say I want to say what? hello to the person in London that listened. <laughs> no, I, I want my voice to be in London. I was so. very excited that somebody commented on Instagram and said that they had listened to um, the podcast on their commute to London. And that just made me so encouraged because... You know, like I said, sometimes I feel like, oh, why do I do this? And then I'm like, wow, somebody's like, who would have ever thought that somebody would be listening to my podcast, you know, on another continent? So I had said that to Steve, too, before I said, um, somebody might be listening to this in London before we recorded. So I said, your voice is going to be around the world because right now the podcast has been listened to on every continent except Antarctica. Those penguins haven't gotten SoundCloud yet. Scientists. They need. We need. We need one scientist in Antarctica to go onto iTunes and listen to Simply Living for Him, so that um, I could say every continent my podcast has been on. So thank you all for listening, and I'm excited to see the growth of the podcast. And um, again, comment on the Facebook page, share all this, and I will see you guys next time. Until then, I wish you blessings and joy.